Let's pray. Holy God and gracious Father, we thank you for the word that you have given us, your word, which is true unto eternity. By the power of the Holy Spirit, open our hearts, our minds, our entire self to your word that we may love you, that we may trust you more and more, and by faith follow Christ Jesus no matter where he leads. In this we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. So today, yes, we are beginning our sermon series on the prophets. A lot of people think that preaching from the Old Testament and the prophets isn't really worthwhile that there is really no correlation between the Old Testament and today. But as we saw even just a couple of weeks ago, when we were covering Ezekiel, just even a little bit, we saw that there were so many correlations to today. And we shouldn't be surprised by that. There's two main reasons why we shouldn't be surprised that there are so many correlations. The first is it's God's Word. It's not just a history lesson. And because it's God's word, there's always applicability. Yes, cultures change, times change, places change. But the principles that God lays down through his word remain true unto eternity. The second reason is there's nothing new under the sun. That even though times change, places change, cultures change, the human moral condition has not changed. And thus, there's always correlation between the Old Testament and to today. So therefore, we're beginning our series on the prophets. We're going to spend at least seven weeks. I haven't figured it all out yet. Uh, But for the next three weeks, today and the following two weeks, we're going to spend some time with Elijah. And I'm really glad we're starting with Elijah because it ties in so closely to the series that we just finished, which was called By Faith. You're going to see a lot of uh, themes that are carrying through from that into today. Now, people have heard of Elijah, but most people don't know too much about him. So let me tell you just a little bit about him but more about the culture and the time in which he was called. So, Elijah appears to us in 1 Kings chapter 17. There's really no prelude. He is simply there, and we know very little bit about him, other than he was from Tishbe in Gilead. That's about it. We do know a lot, though, about what was going on at that time. You know, as bad as our culture is today, it was as bad back then, if not even worse. So here's what happened. There were the 12 tribes of Israel, the nation of Israel. After Solomon, there was a split, a division. Two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, were the southern kingdom of Israel. The rest of the tribes were the northern kingdom of Israel. Now, Judah and Benjamin, they did pretty well and they hung on the longest, not without faults, but the northern kingdom was a mess. 
you had king after king, and it got worse and worse and worse until it finally comes to this king called Ahab. Okay, so this is what it says about him in chapter 16, just the chapter before our reading from today. And I've uh, edited it down just for cohesion for us to get it. It says this, And Ahab did evil in the sight of the Lord more than all who were before him. So he was the worst of the worst. And as if it had been a a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, he took for his wife Jezebel and went and served Baal and worshipped him. He erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made an Asherah. So what does that mean? Ahab and his new wife Jezebel were not only building altars to false gods, Baal and Asherah, they were by force converting them to worship those false gods. And you've heard the name Jezebel, right? Even thousands of years later, it has connotations. So infamous was her idol worship and her sexual immorality that Jesus used her name when he called out a church in Revelation. So that's Jezebel. Now, how bad did it get? It got bad enough that you had men and women, fathers and mothers, who would sacrifice their their children to Baal, even to burn their children. That's how bad it was. Now, I'm going to let you make your own correlations to our culture today. And there are many. I'm not going to spend the time on that, but there are many correlations. So into this evil and wicked culture, God called Elijah. So he begins in chapter 17, and he gives a rebuke to Ahab. says this, as, as the Lord... The God of Israel lives before whom I stand. There shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Elijah says, by the Lord, and that's Yahweh, the living God of Israel, there's going to be no rain. And because there's no rain, there's no crops. Because there's no crops, there's no food. That creates famine. When God gives his word of rebuke, there is discipline to be had. Not for discipline's sake, but for people to come back to him. But our account today, our reading today, is not one of rebuke. Actually, it is one of hope and life. It is about proclaiming, receiving, clinging to the word of God. It is the Word of God that brings life and restoration. It is the Word of God that brings life and hope, hope everlasting. And just like we've had in the past couple of sermons, do you trust God? Do you take God at His Word? Do you cling to His promises of life, of hope?
So really, today is a message of life and hope, even in the midst of dire circumstances. So now let's begin with our reading from today. Begins this way. As the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. Now, that's just a little prelude, right? But notice, God said, do this, and he did. There wasn't any arguing. It was just, I will. And that's what a faith in God does. You have the word of the Lord, and you not only just hear it, but you follow through with it. So, he comes to this widow. And I, I'm going to uh, start just a little bit before what you have on the screen. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. And she says, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. This is dire circumstances. The widow believes that there is nothing else left for her but to have her last meal with her son. This is someone who's not just poor, but has no hope in their lives. And as we have talked about, when there is no hope, it's not just a spiritual death, but physical death follows. But in come, into her life comes Elijah, a man of God. And what, how audacious, right? She's there to prepare her last meal, and he interrupts this moment and says, bring me some wa not only water, but some food. Now, I find her response telling. There's this little phrase in here. And it says, as the Lord your God lives. As the Lord your God lives. And this is very similar to what Elijah said to Ahab. As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives. You see, you have to understand during this time, when there was a, a drought, when everything had dried up, if people were worshiping Baal, he was the God of harvest, God of fertility, and among other things, and everything's dried up, well, maybe Baal himself is dead, right? And a lot of people, by the way, look to the circumstances of their life to say, is God alive? But this woman, this widow, whether she knew it or not, had made this confession that your God lives. And whether she knows it or not, that confession says that God is not a God of the dead, but of the living. And so the question before you this morning is, is your God... A God of the living. He is, isn't he? 
See, our God is a God of the living, no matter the circumstance. Whether it is bad, whether it is good, He is a God of the living. And because He is a God of living, we have eternal hope because of the promises He has given us. Job, take a look at Job. Nobody wants a life, uh, what happened to Job. Nobody wants to go through that. And yet, what did he declare? I know my Redeemer lives. There's that song, because he lives. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. All fear is gone because he lives. And this is our faith. It is a living faith in a living God that even in the most dire circumstances, we too can proclaim our God lives. Now, did the widow comprehend all of that? No, you know what she needed? She needed to hear a word of the Lord. And Elijah came to her, and he gave her a word of the Lord. It says this, And Elijah said, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me, and afterwards make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. A word of the Lord is off, often begins for us, do not fear. You see, we take a look at our circumstances. You know, Peter Jesus said, come to me. He began to be afraid, didn't he? Do not fear. We look to our circumstances and we get afraid. We must look to the word of the Lord and he comforts us. And really, Elijah's do not fear is a word of comfort. It's a word of God. God, our living God. And he gives her a promise, a promise of God. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel. And what he is doing, he is really proclaiming a word of promise to her. A word of God that promises and brings life. The promise of God brings hope. Remember, Ezekiel, a couple weeks ago, the valley of the dry bones, there seemed to be no hope there. And what, God, what did God tell Ezekiel? He said, prophesy. Prophesy to the bones. Speak my words to those dead, spiritually dead people. And there was life. You see, there are words that we sometimes give people that are the words of the world. Motivational phrases, platitudes, they might be nice. But it's the word of the Lord that truly brings promise, that brings sure hope. Here Elijah says, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. He is saying this as a fact, not just as a hopeful wish. 
He's saying it as a fact. You see, when we come to God's Word, there are two things. It's either just a hopeful wish, or it actually is true. And that God's Word, God fulfills His Word. You see, God's Word is sure and true, and what He says comes through fruition or completion. So from Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10 through 11, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And so you and I are to cling, to seize, to cling to His Word. Listen, during difficult times, our faith does get tested, doesn't it? But when I'm in the midst of a trial or a test, I appreciate the good wishes that people have for me. I appreciate the love that they have. At the same time, I just don't want to hear platitudes. I too need to hear the promises that God gives me, that God gives you. You see, the the longer I live, the more I grow in my faith, the more that I know that my own words, they might be nice. I do my best. But when it comes down to it, what do I have to offer? I have to offer God and His Word, which is true unto eternity. So those are the words of life that I share. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. You see, the ultimate test of faith is to believe the word of the Lord in spite of the circumstances. That's why Jesus said the centurion had faith like no one else in Israel. Because he simply believed. So, Elijah speaks God's word of promise to this widow. Now, did she start to believe right away? Hard to say. We don't have the details of that. But but she did receive the word of the Lord, and Elijah and the widow and her son were sustained in food throughout this time. Now, you would think that would be enough, but again, circumstances make people doubt. After this, the son of the, 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 son of the woman, the mistress of the house, became ill. And his illness was so severe that there was no breath left in him. And she said to Elijah, Why have, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to cause the death of my son. So Elijah was probably with the widow and her son a year. Just an estimate. You would have thought that during that time of having food again and again, that they never ran out, that that would have been enough to sustain her faith even during difficult times. I mean, really reminds me of the Israelites and manna in the desert. That each day, 
they got food. Did they still grumble? Yeah, even then, with God's promise and provision, they still grumbled. Here, tragedy came. Tragedy came. And when tragedy touches us, it's really easy for us to be shaken in our faith, to look for someone to blame. And she said to Elijah, What have you against me, O man of God? You have come to bring my sin to remembrance and cause the death of my son. To She's basically saying, Elijah, look, you are the one who are now bringing my sin before God, and God has punished me now because of you with the death of my son. And what she's doing, she's blaming Elijah for what has happened. In our time of pain and grief, we often look for someone to blame. Right? When tragedy occurs, we often look for someone to blame. And sometimes it's the pastor or priest. Sometimes it's the church. Most oftentimes, it's God. People will blame God. Many people end up rejecting their faith in God because bad things happen. Let me ask you a question. Why do bad things happen? We live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world, and in a fallen world, bad things happen. Period. And we've been talking about that in our Bible study in 1 Peter, about suffering. That people are surprised when they suffer. People are surprised when bad things happen, when tragedy strikes. And yet as Christians, we know that we do live in times of trial and tribulation. And bad things happen because we live in a fallen world. Period. And because of that, a lot of people reject their faith because they are not grounded in Christ Jesus who lives. Remember, because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Let me tell you about a tragedy that happened. So I have a a friend from back in high school, long time now. He has a daughter. Daughter grew up, got married, and she became pregnant. And there was a lot of rejoicing in the family. I mean, their, their first child, right? And there was rejoicing. But during one of the tests, during one of the um, office visits, they'd done a test and they found out there was a genetic anomaly. And this one would cause birth, birth defects so severe that the baby would die. Now, by the way, a lot of doctors would say, abort. Do it now. This woman and her husband had faith in God, knowing God's the author of life. And she carried through with the pregnancy. And a daughter was born. And the daughter lived five days. And then they had to bury their daughter. 
Now, she wrote a whole blog about this. And this is what she wrote. We prayed for clear direction once she was born. And this diagnosis gave us exactly that. God knows what we need, but sometimes blessings just look a little different than we expect. Although his plan makes no sense to us right now, God is still good. Even in this, God is good. In faith, they clung to God and his promises. Isn't that what we're supposed to do as well? Really, think about it. We are to cling to him and his promises. Cling to his word. Cling to Christ Jesus, who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. The author of life itself. For some people, one section of Scripture gives great comfort. It's from Romans chapter 8. For I am sure that neither life, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. So there has to be the Word of God in your life. Because without His Word, it's so easy to fall in despair. Even for those who are strong in faith, tragedies, when they occur, still do shake you. Elijah was one such man. Now Elijah, the great prophet Elijah, even him, he had a nature just like ours. And so it says this, And he, Elijah, cried to the Lord, O Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? So, but, but rather, rather than just blame God, he actually takes the son, he goes to the room, and he pleads with God. He stretches himself over the child and prays. It says, three times, three times, cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this child's life come into him again. You see, Elijah wrestled with God in prayer and appealed to the word of the Lord. He reminded God of his promise. And I want to let you know, it's okay to wrestle with God. It's okay to bring everything to him in prayer. And when you remind God of His promises, does God need to be reminded of His promises? No. You do. When you remind God of His promises, you remind yourself of His promises. And so He pleads with the Lord, with prayer. And I want you to notice, when He prays, there's no doubt. He simply prays in faith. In faith. And that, and we live in a time, okay, let's make a correlation. We live in a time 
in which we must pray like Elijah. Amen? We must pray with boldness, without doubt. We are to seize and cling to the word of promise given to us. One, uh, one writer said this, The praying prophet seized the word of promise with both hands and would not let go. That was the ground on which he could and had to base his plea. Clinging to the Lord's oath, he could, not rest, he could rest assured that the Lord would hear his prayer. Has God ever promised us a rose garden? No, not in this life. Now at the end, there will be a new heaven and a new earth. Paradise. Truly paradise. On this side, we aren't promised a bed of roses. But we are promised that God hears our prayers and will act accordingly. Why? Because we worship a God of the living, not of the dead. And our faith is assured, assured, because Jesus died for our sins. Completely, our sins are forgiven on the cross. He said, it is finished. He took all of our sin upon him. And then he died and he rose again. Jesus Christ lives and lives forevermore. And because he lives and lives forevermore, we can have joy even in the midst of terrible, difficult situations. Jesus said this to his disciples on the night in which he was to be betrayed. He said, your sorrow will turn to joy. Take heart. That's kind of, be of good courage. Do not be afraid. Take heart, I have overcome the world. And then in a little later, he said, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That's the word of the Lord. Do you trust his word? Do you take it in and live it? And it's hard sometimes, right? It's hard sometimes. But this is why we keep going back to His Word, not the world's Word. You see, so Elijah, he took the widow, uh, took, <laughs> took the widow, he took the son and brought the living son to the widow to show her that our God is a God of the living. A God who keeps promises. And she says this, Now I know that you are a man of God and that the Word of God is in your mouth, that the Word of God is in your mouth is truth. Brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, we live in a culture right now that rejects truth, that rejects God. We must stand firm for ourselves, first of all, in His Word. And then be able to give a word of promise, a word of hope to people who have lost hope. And many people in this world 
have lost hope. So, for you this week, hold fast to His Word. I like that the Bible's being held up, right? Hold fast to His Word. Look for Scripture. Maybe this, and I'm not a big one on this, but maybe this is the time to write down one of your favorite encouraging promises of God and put it on the bathroom mirror or put it on the refrigerator. This week might be the week to do that. So, hold fast to his word. Pray like Elijah. Go ahead, wrestle with God. It's okay to do that. But in faith, Pray, and pray like Elijah. Remind God of His promises. See how many promises you can remember. Remind God of His promises, and He and you will be remembered of His. Did, did that come out right? And you will remember His. Okay. And then finally, live in the victory of Jesus. We are people of joy. Because we live in his victory. And he is alive forevermore. I know my Redeemer lives. Amen. Amen.